Hello, and welcome to Ungodly, the Magical Grimorium. I am here today, joined by Besh, my husband, who has his <laughs> jaw currently wired shut from an accident he was in a couple, almost two weeks ago. So we're a little late here. Thank you for your patience. Um, and I'm Avery. Uh, yeah, but maybe we could get Besh to say a few words. You could certainly try to. <laughs> he said I'm he... not sure how helpful it's going to be for the listener. Yeah, he he certainly uh, said he he certainly tried, but he's not sure how <laughs> helpful it will be. I'm not sure if you heard that. <laughs> uh, anyway, but um, we're glad to be recording right now, and today we're diving into a story that I've written about Elena Blavatsky or HPB as she's most commonly known as. Okay, so we have the popular figure Blavatsky. Um, she's a popular figure of esotericism and mysticism, as well as uh, a psychic in the late 1800s. And besides this, we have the Countess Saint Germain, which we uh, learned about in the first story, and Count Cagliostro, who kind of claimed to... Um, know of the Philosopher's Stone and have eternal life. Uh, a bit of a scam artist, it seems. Um, Countess Saint-Germain, it could be argued that he was similar in this, in the same way, but uh, eh, he, he seems to have a bit more uh, credence. Is that the right word? Yeah, Balsamo was a shifty grifter. <laughs> Besh says Balsamo was a shifty grifter. That's the name he was born with. <laughs> um, and then uh, Charlotte also makes a reappearance at the end of the story she was our herbal medicine shop owner who seems to be very frightened of Saint Germain okay and then we have Agrippa appearing in the story and he's from the 1500s and he wrote about goetic demons and stuffs um, in his three books of occult philosophy <laughs> Helena Petrovna Blavatsky, a.k.a. Madame Blavatsky, a.k.a. HPB, as she preferred to be called, was born in the Russian Empire in 1831. She was a founder of theosophy, which focuses on universal brotherhood and spiritual emancipation, an all-around prominent figure of esotericism, and she helped bring back Western magic alongside the spiritualism movement. You see, magic in the West had been all but extinguished, along with the so-called witches, during the nasty trials that spanned several centuries. The church didn't want medicine women around, with their godlike healing abilities, the superstitions that they held, and the rituals they performed. Indeed, HPB tapped into the same psychic capacities, or highly intuned intuition, if you will, of these women of yore. When she was 11, her mother passed away from TB, and HPB went to live with her maternal grandparents. At the family home, she discovered her great-grandfather's library that was full of Freemasonry and esoteric books. This man, Prince Pavel Vasilievich Dolgokorkov, had only passed a few years prior to her arrival, but HPB felt very connected to him and was inspired by his collection. 
In life, he was well regarded and was rumored to have made the acquaintance of both Count Cagliostro and the Count of St. Germain. HPB was an oxymoron of a personality. She was both an aristocrat and a child who preferred to play with the lower class children. She was educated in music, French, and art, helping her to marry in her class, but she loved to spend her time telling wild, imaginative stories. During this era, she also had vivid visions of a Hindu man, Maurya, whom was a master of ancient wisdom. As a grown adult, she would revere some Asian religions, but also, frankly, was incredibly racist towards several peoples. Like so many noteworthy figures, appearing to be a product of the time and yet, she was also quite ahead of it too. Anyhow, we are now getting ahead of ourselves. Having just discovered her great-grandfather Pavel's library, she spent nearly 12 hours straight with her nose glued to the books. Her grandparents were pleased to see this, feeling it a healthy distraction during her time of grieving, and they sent her afternoon tea and dinner to the library to carry her through. Both good and bad came from this exploration. Unfortunately, she gained the notion that she would be able to talk to her mother's spirit. Later in her years, she would feel the opposite, declaring communication with the deceased impossible, and that if an answer were to be received, it was from someone or something else. More importantly, she discovered in those books that there was more. More after death and more than meets the eye. Near the top of the library's rolling ladder, HPV ran her fingers along the spines of the books on the highest shelf. She fell upon a small book. Gazing at the cover, it seemed to be written in symbols. A Chinese language? Upon cracking the book open, she saw that the center of the pages were completely carved out. Her pale eyes peered inside the cavity and found a very old gold key. And something was written on the inside of the cover. Dearest Pavel, here is an original copy of The Secret of the Golden Flower and the golden key, so to speak, Saint-Germain. As an adult, HPB saw the book and the key as a symbol of eternal spirit. Ironically, or possibly serendipitously, Carl Jung's commentary would preface the first translation of the book. He was known to disparage Theosophy and Blavatsky posthumously, referring to her as imaginative at best, something he would also come to be called. To try to possess an internal spirit herself, HPV went to great lengths to obtain knowledge that would unlock her mind, allowing her to achieve latent powers and understand the world around her. In 1868, she found herself in a monastery just outside of Lhasa, Tibet. This was incredibly unusual for the time because the country tended to not let in any European travelers. But she and a few others were accompanied by none other than Moria who she first met in her visions as a child, and his friend, Master Kut Humi. This seemed to do the trick. At this monastery, her and her group were in the process of learning a plethora of psychic abilities, telepathy, clairvoyance, clairaudience, controlling another's thoughts, and last but not least, dematerializing and rematerializing objects. Typically, people who are not a part of the monastery would stay in the valley below, but these gifted people were the exception. 
There was only one catch, if you'd even think to look at it that way. They were to try to achieve their tasks in the main hall, surrounded by the continuous chanting of the monks. HPB was dumbfounded at this and asked Master Kuhumi, Who am I to be here while these people are practicing their sacred prayer? Looking very genuine, he replied, They know that the group of you are here to learn tools for you to help balance the places from which you come. Just because you are not on their path, it doesn't mean the work that you are doing is any less profound. As she heard these words, her chest lightened, and the pebble she'd been staring at for days suddenly dissolved in front of her eyes and it, it reappeared on the table of a couple of her peers seated in front of her. As the months passed by and the master's confidence in her grew, she began astral travel work. After a long walk in the mountain woods one morning, she stepped into the chanting sounds of the great hall. She sat down on a bench near the entrance. A stout woman, her short legs were pleasantly tired. She stretched them out and listened to the beautiful mantras filling the room. Both buzzed from the walk and relaxed by the harmonies, she closed her eyes and entered a deep state of relaxation. She felt her body vibrate and her perspective began to change. She was floating out of her body. <gasps> she suddenly found herself seated on a park bench outside of some old inn. A man with a top hat and staff was speaking briskly to another man with a very serious-looking face. Starting at the arch of his eyebrows, the second man had a couple of unfortunate vertical ridges on his forehead, giving off the appearance of having horns. In response to the first man, the second urged, Listen, Saint Germain, they're looking for it, the secret. They know it has been embodied in an object, and they are going to find it. Saint Germain said, I told you, Agrippa, I don't have it. In fact, it's not even in the present time. Agrippa's mouth fell open. You couldn't have. You sent the key into the future? Where? Saint Germain... <laughs> <laughs> Saint Germain replied somberly. Twenty years ago, people started to get very suspicious that I wasn't aging. Especially that gossiping Madame Pompadour. I didn't want anyone to find out what we have. How to be immortal. He paused. I can see you still doubt me, Agrippa. This is why I brought her here. The person I sent the key to. He looked behind Agrippa, where HPB was seated on the bench. Her pale eyes stared at them, looking almost completely white in the dark. HPB, having traveled a very long way, found her footing and started shaking her fist. Ah, fooey! You summoned me! Here I thought that I had traveled here of my own accord! At least it was by the great Saint Germain and Enrique Agrippa. What, oh please tell me, can I do to aid in your predicament? To her delight, Agrippa sauntered forward. Madame Blavatsky, is it your? I've seen you in my visions, we all have. 
I am disappointed that such a magnificent being as yourself is indeed from the very distant future. HPB was not surprised by Agrippa's warm welcome. She read his work declaring women equal to men, or in fact superior, and how this was presented in the Bible. Now, now, don't smother the woman, said St. Germain, and pushed Agrippa aside. Pleased to meet your acquaintance. I can't keep you here much longer, though. Please, please, when I speak to you in your dreams one night, years from now, you must do what I ask. It is for the good of all humanity. And so, when HPB was getting old and very sick, he came to her in her sleep one evening. She knew it was not a mere dream, but real and of psychic nature, as it was incredibly lifelike. She listened closely to what she had to do, and then she passed away in her bed. Moments later, in the future, Saint-Germain entered a herbal medicine shop. He was speaking to the herbalist about increasing his longevity, and she looked to be terrified, like he was about to devour her. The tension broke as the door swung open. Silly count, said an older voice. You know that it's me who received the key just now from Blavatsky. Leave my granddaughter alone. At this point of seeing her supposedly late grandmother, Charlotte passed out in the arms of Saint-Germain. And in from behind Mrs. Lang, a very translucent, very dead-looking HPB floated in. She said, Poor girl! It's a good thing she's out. It might shock her to death to see real member of the cyst. I managed to do what you asked of me, Saint-Germain. I dematerialized the gold key and sent it through space and time into the hands of Mrs. Lang here, just before passing away. There was a great shaking and a tear of light appeared before me. But I did not go into it. Not yet. I have to see how this plays out. Saint Germain beamed at her and Mrs. Lang, who opened her palm to show him the key. He said, Oh, thank heavens! The world is ending! The ghost of Edmonton needs the key to save it. Hopefully forever. <laughs> All right, so now this week um, we have a musical response to the story from Besh that he created and a wee poem that he wrote uh, that I'll recite along with the song. Here we go. Here we go. Here we go. Here we go. Transmute, transmute, opposite sit unopposed, pole to pole, the whole unite. Eclipse the day with sweet night. 
Transmute, transmute. Take the graceful dance of flame, carve and etch it in unmelting ice. Solve a coagula, dissemble the idea, subatomize your notion. Solve a coagula, reconstitute the concept, conceived, distilled in matter's ocean. Color is a spectrum, so is ontology. Rise beyond illusory dichotomies. Make yin of yang, reverse repeat. Make yang of yin, reverse repeat. to understand me saying this, but I'm very deeply honored to have my wife read my poetry to you, um, and that's about the extent to which I'm going to strain your ears to try and understand my broken face. Thank you very much. <laughs> Thanks, Fesh. <laughs> and thank you guys so much for listening. Um, please uh, like and follow and check us out at un.godlypodcast that's both on Instagram and Facebook and on Twitter we have at un underscore godly podcast thank you so much again cheers bye is it already ready? He burps! Elena Petrovna
you're such a diva. Okay. <laughs> Is it already ready? He burps! He 